Good evening, welcome to the A&E Rugby Podcast with Andrew Hi, Omar And myself, Omar uh, That entry never gets never gets old for me, I love listening to it every time Yeah It's a commentary, I was brilliant just, I was just brilliant. thinking, what an opening weekend for the Rugby World Cup And um, uh, I don't think we're uh, enthusiastic uh, normal selves I'm feeling quite <laughs> jaded and tired from it all Combined with the hot weather, how about you? Yeah, yeah, I so, said I'm the same. I'm, I watched almost every game and almost every minute of every game. So it does take a bit of a toll on you, doesn't it? I think from being lazy, you get more lazy. Feeling a bit tired. So, yeah, Andrew, but, so what have you been up to then? Rugby, rugby and more rugby. Hey, uh, yesterday for the South, uh, South African game, um, we, we know it's Monday, so yesterday's game, uh, had a few people around and uh, yeah, we had a really good vibe. We had Murray rolls before the game. Um, my purchase to watch the rugby and on big screen with surround sound paid off and we re- re- really enjoyed it. How did you get up to uh, Yeah, fantastic. Um, just pretty much the same. Uh, full weekend of uh, rugby, hot sunshine, which is a blessing. Uh, also mixed with some local rugby. I met some of the eggs who went down to the local rugby club here, Dorking, Goodwin. We were dropping out the boot, SA style. <laughs> Uh, Tailgate. Yeah, the cool boxes, yeah, the gazebo, it's nice. And then on Sunday, I had the pleasure of taking my daughter down t- for her first rugby session at the local club. Four years of age, <sighs> 18, 19, 20 of them, all the same. The coaches were there, two of them Springbok supporters, but it was a lesson in herding cats and yes. failing, I think. Yeah. But um, really emotional, eh? very emotional. And we, we've all, we all started there, eh? yeah, except these weren't in bare feet. Yeah. So I, I thought I'd ask you like live while we we're on the broadcast. I invited you yesterday and you said no. So you need to make up the best excuse so that I don't feel bad. Well, I've got a um, I've got a family a, of excuses. A four a four month uh, baby and a, a four year old and a wife to maintain. And um, at halftime during the Springboks game, I was literally serving as fast as I could the variety. <laughs> <laughs> wow, before the second half started, yeah. Gosh, what a weekend there, hey? In terms of the Rugby World Cup, would you consider that to possibly be the best opening weekend for a Rugby World Cup ever? Brilliant. Uh, a, a lot going on. I, th- I think what adds to it so much that I've never felt before, what's a huge contributing factor, especially in my life, um, and potentially yours too, is social media. So suddenly, you take a massive step closer to players, to commentators, to ex-players. I mean, I've been interacting with, um, and, and I don't know these people, but interacting directly with ITV presenters for the sport. All Stephen that, Jones, let's, let us not forget. <laughs> yeah. Of the times. Um, I actually, actually held myself back with him this week. But, uh, yeah, you, you just, so, so you feel a lot more part of it and, and a lot closer to it, which... You know, for us, it's great. I'm, I'm really enjoying all of it. Yeah, fantastic. I, I, I was thinking about this yesterday, and I, I, I can't think of another opening weekend of a World Cup that surpasses this. What, what did you make of the uh, opening ceremony? I didn't watch it. I've only ever watched one in my life, and that's because I was there in person. 
Mm. Uh, it's a bit like the Olympics. I just don't go near them, really. Um, all I know is that um, a few few oaks said it was complete dross, and there was a chap cycling around with baguettes and onions or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I purposefully avoid them. Um, I, for any sport, whether it's the Olympics, the football, the rugby, I've always thought they were just horrendous, and um, they make no sense. So I, it's, it's, it's not a winner, it? is it? It's not a winning thing. No, no, no. I, think, I think it's a tip box more than anything. But, hey, it hey. was funny, Macron and uh, Sir Bill Beaumont getting booed, though. I enjoyed that. Um, you know, both of them. <laughs> Not doing, not doing great for, in the eyes of the supporters. No, well, <laughs> Viva la France. You can't blame them, huh? So, Springboks wasn't the first game. Day three, Springboks 18, Scotland three. But before we start with the game, Angie, um, after the last episode last week, we picked our own um, Springboks teams to, to face Scotland and... Um, and we then picked a team that we thought um, the coach would pick. What did you make of the squad when it was announced? I was a little surprised um, originally that they selected Visa. And I, let, let's talk about that quickly. Um, I thought it would be a good... I thought they'd play kind of that starting pack that we had against the All Blacks, um, against Scotland and then in Ireland. In my view, uh, Dwayne has that eight top. Then I thought to myself, Jasper hasn't played in the last few weeks. Probably been hasn't played in a month. If anything happens to Dwayne, you don't want to bring a five, six week cold player in. So it, it made sense. The, the other big call and the only differences to our teams was um, twelve and thirteen, which I also thought interesting that they're going back to that. Maybe it's safety. But then they came out and said, "Well, Moody um, has a niggle," and I think once Moody was out. Esther Hazen was relying on Moody's selection for him to be included. So, yeah, both of them moved out. But I, I really liked the squad and, the, and, the, and uh, again, the bench was nuclear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree completely with you, with the bench. I couldn't fault it, really. Mm-hmm. Super. The, uh, you perhaps uh, feel a tiny bit sorry for Congress for missing out after such a great job against the All Blacks. But um, I know my first reaction all the team itself was one of the slight disappointment. I was, um, in my mind, I'm treating this game as a knockout game. It's mm. a good final semi-final. There's no coming back from it if we lose. So I wanted, um, I wanted a team in, in my mind, reflectable. And um, the visa selection, um, three or four months ago, I'd have thumbs up, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, true. But just feeding into what you said about him, <laughs> I'm sure. And uh, it felt like the uh, coach was experimenting or rolling the dice a little. Not too sure. I'm still not too sure of this 12 and 13. And more so, I'm looking at 12 and thinking, Delanda is yeah, not in form, man. I mean, and have it been for a while. So to, to your point, I, I kind of, I agree <coughs> with you. Maybe it's not a modern way of thinking and coaching nowadays, especially with Rossi and Jacques. They do some abstract things. But I thought going into the World Cup and the fact that they've said this is where they want you to be, this is the, the four-year cycle is aimed at this. When in 2019 was a bonus. Okay, now we have. And then they're still not going in fully loaded. So no. if, if you ask yourself this question, do you think that is the side they would have picked if that was the World Cup final? No. Okay, well, they wanted that. <laughs> which, which is hence why I was disappointed because in my mind, the Scotland game, 
I'm treating my mind as a knockout game, mm-hmm. as a semi-final, a final, a quarter-final. Because if we lose, yeah, we can come back and play yeah. Ireland and win, but whew. At half-time, at Six half-time, yeah. Sean Minos, he was, he was sweating. He said to me he, he had reflux and, uh, you know, he needed pneumonium. <laughs> <laughs> well, and after that first crime going into the second half, he said, oh, my reflux is going down. Okay, so he was nervous. <laughs> um, that basically sums up, apart from disappoint, slightly disappointing, I was, prior to the first game, I was excited yep. with a, a few nerves. When I saw the team, I was nervous with a tiny bit of excitement. So but, the emotions had flipped over. But, but, and it's just around those three. Uh, not, not so much those as well. Uh, nervous also about the fly half, whether he could go back to back. Because I've been hopping on about our fly half for God knows how long now. Mm. Uh, just wanting, craving that consistency, which we need to in the World Cup. But also, uh, it was something you said as well. I think it was on last uh, on the last pod, or maybe before, um, about your concerns about him picking Colby as a left winger yeah. and uh, not on the right. So when I saw that, and I think we spoke about uh, whether they'd pick Colby or Aaron's left and right and thinking two small guys that have been targeted, given, given the Scottish wingers who are big and on form, well, little did we know they handled those cars okay, but we didn't know at the time. So I agreed with you, Colby out of position in my mind on the mm. left wing, Aaron's on the right. And Willem, sir, yeah, he's playing well at the moment. I prefer Vinny myself, but um, we'll come to we'll come to him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but so yeah, nerves more than anything. And watching that first half, I was nervous all the time. Yeah. It was it was only until midway through the second half my nerves started to negate a little. However, so that's both of us before the game. Were you nervous before the game, or or more excited? I, I became say? more nervous as it got closer and I became more real. I looked at the, the, the two teams and I, I, I couldn't see how Scotland could beat us up front. And I just, I, I thought if we keep it as a, as a really tight game, we'll dominate them. So, yes, we can play the Halter Skelter game now too. And we can do it stylishly. But we can always fall back on that. I didn't know what their fallback was. And it kind of came into fruition in that game. Because the first half, we went out and we started throwing the ball all over the place. Didn't well, we? let's the start Scottish, with us. The Scottish met us at the game line. Let's start with that then. So that, yeah. Okay. I mean, um, it, there was a little bit of, it just not, it looked a bit disjointed. Mm-hmm. And a few I, loose kicks. I, I got concerned. Yeah, a few. Marnie had a very loose kick. Full, um, you know, a couple of knock-ons. Um, you know, just a, a, it just looked like they lacked a bit of cohesion. And on the other side, Scotland, like, they turned up. And Jim Hamilton said it in the commentary. He was like, you know, he was saying to the other commentator, I don't know who the Scottish commentator was, it was part of that team, but he was saying, wow, they're on today, they're on. And I was very impressed with the physicality that they met us because often they stopped us um, um, at the game. Well, not only stopped us, um, turned over balls as well. I mean, I can think of a more, you know, five meters out with Malcolm Marks, we're normally 100% lethal. Yeah. They stopped us, yeah. turned the ball over. Yeah. And, I, um, they, and, and obviously they won the two, well, you can remember the two scrum penalties they won, Latin, which was a real shock. Yeah. And, and again, I, I, I wanted to kind of just touch on the um, commentary and that is, you know, what we were listening to through ITV, I felt it was so lopsided. Um, you know, they, they won those two scrums and um, the commentators were saying, that's making a statement. That's making a statement. And then we came back in the 
second half, just, and we rolled them, and they said, oh, they're getting the upper hand. And I just thought, wow, just the, the contrast there. So I wasn't very happy with all the commentary, but that, that's a different record. Those two scrums where they, they did dominate us, I think is a good reality check. I think it was good that that actually happened, no, and we, we could come back from it. Because I didn't think they were capable of doing that. So I was starting to get a bit ahead of myself with my assumption of how good that back was. And um, they, I think they gave us a firm reality check. Yeah, I definitely agree. And um, they they did show up. I know Scotland's line-out was a bit messy in the first yeah, half. They, well, they were throwing long, long. From the, yeah, yeah. which was a bit strange in my mind. I know when they started throwing it, uh, normally the game tightened up. Maybe they're looking to get some... Um, a break off the back. Yeah. Well, I think it's easier to get it out to the wingers if you play off the back and, and because it gives you more time. You're not, allowed to, you're not allowed to close on the 10 minutes. It's just hard to throw to the back, isn't it? <sighs> yeah, it's risky. It's risky. But, I mean, it was a plan. You saw the, you know, and, and they gave their plan. They just couldn't execute on it in the lineups. We won quite a bit of their ball, two or three. Yeah, we did. What I, uh, I remember, um, I, so I watched it at home, sitting around the barrel outside watching this, and I wrote, actually wrote something down at the halfway mark. Exactly on 13 minutes, I wrote panicky, and that's, yeah. so, um, that's how it felt, and that watching the spin box, it felt, well, I wouldn't say they were panicking, but just, yeah, a bit nervy, a bit unrack, a bit rattled, if you like. It was almost like they were a bit frustrated with their own performance. Yeah. If that kind of makes yeah. sense. You know, they thought we should well, be better. We play better leading into this. And then, but I think credit to Scotland. And I think we forget we number two in the world, they're number five. Okay. And there's a reason that they're number five. And Andrew, that felt like a proper high stakes game. That felt like a quarter final yeah. or possibly a semi final. It, well, it felt like that from the start to the finish. Well, I, I was um, kind of calculating my head at, at half time thinking, if we lose this game to Scotland, we then have to beat Ireland. And that becomes a very nervy game. Well, yeah. And, and then that potentially means if we had lost that and we say, and then, you know, beat Ireland, but finish second, we play France. And do we want that in the quarterfinals? I don't think so. Well, I finished the half thinking um, um, we've had a hell of a lot of possession, a hell of a lot of territory. Scotland did they weren't in our 22 that often. The whole maybe game. once, maybe once or twice in the first half. I'm just thinking the first half. And we've, and we haven't converted that to points. The scoreboard isn't ticking along. Marnie's not the Marnie against New Zealand. Okay. His distribution's good, but he's, he's kicking it. Gosh, there was a place kick very early on that's skewer missing the stick. So, so answering my question, can, can he back it up game to game? Mm. And so I was thinking, oh, gosh, well, when are Scotland? Because surely at some point, Scotland will cut loose. Yeah. Will cut loose. You can't contain Scotland all game. And they had a chance. Scotland did have a chance near the end of the first half. Yeah. Where they, they had the overlap. Mm. And thankfully for us, I mean, we completely botched it. We did. I, so th the one thing that was on point for us was our defence. For me, Scotland never looked like scoring even when they got the ball out wide once or twice. And what, what Finn Russell was doing was very intricate and cleverly thought through mm. the way they, you know, he, he wasn't throwing the first ball. He was stepping in between players and threading balls through multiple players. And nine times out of ten, he was hitting his men. And that's not an easy thing to do, running like that. No, he even hit one with his shoulder. 
<laughs> and he, he, um, he, he was, he was having a good game. And good player, very good player. Yeah, I, I just felt that a, a real positive for us was our defence. World Cups are one on defence. Clearly, we need a kicker. That, that's obvious. But I think, yeah, I was very impressed with our defence. And I think the type of defence that we were running against Scotland is what could unravel Ireland. Because the way they play with that, you know, the mm, waves, that, the system, and yeah. and the way we get in the middle of all of that is quite unusual compared to the way that all the other teams defend. Even in the um, press conference after the game, they asked Jamie, um, this is Jamie Ritchie, they asked him, "Do that? Does he think that South Africa's defence was another level?" And he said, "Look, I, I don't think it's another level. He says it's just very unusual, and we haven't played against a defence like that. So, you know, therein." Answers a question for you. Here's something, and I think it's it's aiming at that very creative backline play that the Irish do. Because that system, there's only one system there, and they keep rerunning it. So you should be able to do analysis and start trying to come up with a plan to defend against. But we and I digress as usual. <laughs> well, you, you're talking about plans. Yeah, well, many coaches know what the Springboks are going to do. But, but the problem is, you can't plan. To be bigger than big guys, no. if you don't have them. You can plan on, uh, hopefully they tie, and you can get at them maybe at the 50, 60 minute mark, but not <laughs> not with a 6-2 or 7-1 split. Yeah, not with that. It's like I heard a beast come onto the field, and, and, and they loved it. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we got into the second half. I just, I just want to come back to the first half. So it was something I missed. I didn't see it in the game, and I only started picking it up after the game. And um, was the apparent... Um, face clash Jesse Creel had with I think it was mm. the Scottish eighth man. Now, I, I didn't see it during the game, so um, I was unaware that the TMO didn't tell the referee and there was no look at that. But yeah. when I re looked at it same. and the others that I saw, um, that was a red card. He dodged a red card. Well, I sit, I sit slightly differently because I don't, I didn't see the England, uh, the England players of that called. I don't see any of them as red cords. By the letter of law, maybe they fit the criteria as a red cord, but, sh but with mitigation in terms of the speed of play. Look, I, yeah. it's a whole it's a whole different conversation. All of this is. I agree with you in that. I think Curry was very unlucky with his red cord. It was crazy. Mm. But I think in the consistency and the climate that we're in at the moment, that's a red card all day long. I think the red card with uh, Curry has just ignited this conversation. I don't think uh, we'd be talking red cards for Korea. We'd probably be talking omniflexion. That's probably a yellow card. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think a huge anomaly, which was just, I found unbelievable. But, um, the TMO in the bunker, I know we'll get onto this in the bunker, who, gosh, was it Marius uh, Yonker, who, gosh, hasn't he got form eh, for TMO catastrophes? <laughs> if we go back to the Lions... <laughs> <laughs> That's just come to me. Gosh, the Lions, um, Lions Springboks debacle. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and like you, I didn't see it at the time. It was only after the game yeah. where it was brought to my attention. I thought. Because otherwise the commentators would have been all over it, wouldn't they? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Which just further highlights how many rugby incidents there are in every single game. And how many times, okay, you've got a top game, you've got, God knows, probably 30 cameras all around the pitch at different angles, but... Even with all those cameras, how many of these sort of incidents go go on? Let's start. There's numerous. I think rugby and the way that it's working is it's gone beyond player safety to actually trying to penalise accidents. And 
that's a very dangerous well, space to move they into. They are. Exactly. They are in that it's, space now. That's exactly. And I, and I maliciousness or intent doesn't come into no, it. No, there was none. I don't think being it, a nice guy did, doesn't. Did you see Japan versus Chile? It was a carbon copy of the current incident mm. and curry incident. And the guy got a yellow, and they came back on, and it didn't get elevated. And had you just put them in different colours, it was exactly the same as England logic. Yeah, as I said, I think the uh, Ben Curry um, red card just gave everybody a, a false sense of perspective. If well, you are, yeah. remember you you asked me the question: What is the one thing you hope from the, the red cards don't ruin games? So, um, well, we've mentioned it. We went in at half time at six three. Um, second I, I, half, I was, I was a little nervous. Uh, I was, and you've already highlighted that Sean the nose now was nervous. But um, as the second half grew, and once that Peter Steff with the help of uh, off the forward <laughs> got the try, in my mind, even with Marnie's uh, cup kicking, uh, I think then Faf had a go, one out of two. There was no doubt he was going to close mm. that game up, mm. no doubt at all. And I started getting comfortable, and the defence from from the start to the finish, as you said, was was spot on. What do you think was said to them at half time? Because there was a marked difference. A mock difference in play and, and style of play. Well, um, we've we've had access before a few years ago through documentaries with uh, with this coaching team how they speak to uh, players, and they're not you know you hear all these cult you know, all these stories from England players and other players now mm. that the, the dressing rooms are commonplace. You now there's no raised voices and swearing, and, and it's all civilized. You get treated like grown-ups. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. We've seen Rusty and Jock in action before, particularly Rusty, and they, they, <laughs> they they're they not shy at uh, raising their voice and using the F-bomb. <laughs> I mean, I, the, the only clip I saw inside the change room was of Don Hima wearing his hat. You see, they've all got that hat now. They pull like that into being over there. The little bucket hat. Yeah, yeah. and um, sun hat. And, and he was animated and, and the, the guys were sitting there listening. But for me, what I was saying to uh, the guys that I was watching it with is we, we need to tighten this game up. We need to become more forward-dominated or dominated more through the forwards and yeah, definitely be more tight and not spin it as wide as quick. Instead of going wide off like one crash ball up the middle, we needed to run and draw more of the defenders in three or four times. And straight away... Within two minutes of coming back up, we had a scrum, went over them, got a penalty, and then we scored a try, like three or four forwards rolling um, rolling around the side and, and scored. And <clears throat> clearly they said to them, go back to plan A. Yeah. No, and it worked. And then shortly afterwards, I think it was Visa himself who we had concerns about. I think he was responsible for a turnover in which Marnie did that wonderful, wonderful no no look kick across to Willemson. Didn't even break his stride. It was the perfect. The guys are good with that chip kick. Except Barrett, he put, he put it into the 15th yeah. row of the... Marnie so frustrates me, you because, know, um, you know, in my head, you fly off or you'll perceive main kick kick. That's his first draw. But he's so wonderful in open players, so, so creative. I'm still of the opinion that we're going to play Porrowood at 15. Okay, well, that would be interesting because, in my mind still, an Ireland game, a quarter-final, semi-final, a final, 
are a lot tighter fast. Mm. Where the kicking does, as history shows, always come into it. Yeah, Armani could turn up and slot them all, but if he's if he's performing as he did this weekend, we're out. We're, we're gone. We're gone. You can't suddenly say, okay, I've missed three kicks over to you, Fuff, and expect well, Fuff to nail everything. It might be too late. The, the, and and I, I made the note again. I was, I was listening to Jock Nibob and uh, Sietalisi after the game. They did the press conference. I saw that. And uh, saw they that. asked um, Jock Nibob, you know, well, what do you make of the fact that Mwani's missing the kicks? And Nibob replied, but he won't make the match. He yeah, has to get, but he's missing the kicks. And he kind of copy his head back. Well, he is, um, you know, he's man of the match. And then the and, and then the journalist left it. Um, and then Siet mm. chimed in and he said, "No, you know, we it's not the way we work. And you know, we all pick up roles for each other. When we're not good at what we do. We also put now. In my view, that's bullshit. I um, agree with kicking. Yes, you can I support agree. if guy misses a tackle, you can cover tackle. It's too unique. You, can, you cannot. You get well. You get one opportunity. It's too unique that position. You get one opportunity to to make the kick. You either get it or you don't. There's no in between. And we, we left. If you think about it, so we left 15 points out there. If you put 15 points, we we over the 30 the 30 point mark against Scotland. Now that's emphatic, you know. And um, so we left a lot of points out there. And yeah, it wasn't great. The other thing that bothered me a little about the second half was it was great for 20 minutes, but by not even 20 minutes, uh, 10 minutes, because after 52 minutes, I actually wrote it down here, after 52 minutes, we the score was 18-3, so, which means, sorry, 50 minutes. 18-3 after 50 minutes. 50 minutes. 50 minutes. And that, so that's another 30 minutes without any points being scored. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, well, yeah, as you can, as you can, everybody can hear, I'm speechless. I didn't realize that. That bypassed. Maybe it was Vili coming on and, um, well, messing up a bit. But, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> He's that actually my favorite player, too. I, I love him. I mean, bit. Yeah, and then he, we, we were on about eight phase and he decided to chop the ball in the far meet. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, and it's a little bit of a concern if that's what's going on. Well, I would have put Valimsa into 10 and maybe put Vili at the back. But, I mean, these are all things we can look at. He didn't cover himself in glory. In the space of about five minutes, I think he went backwards in terms of his player rating. I would have given him a below naught. I would have given him a minus two. <laughs> he dropped the ball. We passed it forward. He threw the ball out the side of the field. And he tried to chip it in their five meter. So... Yeah, really gets a minus two on, on my rating. Okay, just in terms of Scotland, though, because um, world, they have world-class backs from nine all the way through to 15, very dangerous. And in my mind as well, I thought if they have any sort of parity in the set piece, which which they did, mm. we're going to have a fight on our hands here to contain those backs. And, well, did the backs do anything? Because they had parity. Yeah, yeah. Or was it simply because we contained Finn Russell so well that the backs didn't get a chance to cut this? Because Duan, our fears about um, Colby and Kirtley with Duan on one wing and um, uh, Duan and uh, who's the other Scottish Darcy winner? Graham. Darcy Graham and, you know, big boys, fast boys. It's never an issue at all. Mm. 
You know, I, I saw the fear in the eyes of the Scots forwards after about 50 minutes. <coughs> in that 10 minutes after the, the second half, I think we, we broke their spirit. Now, we say we weren't doing well in that first 40, but I actually think we punched that door so hard mm. that eventually it caved in. So, although it didn't look magnificent, they, the guys were doing damage, and it took its toll on those Scottish players. I thought Finn Russell played well, and I, it, it was very obvious what they were trying to do. He was he was trying to thread the needle. Absolutely. And yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was very difficult for him to do because, as I mentioned last week, um, Fuff is so good at getting in between players, shoots out the line, and mm. the other one is really good at intercepting toy. And they were they were creating havoc. I mean, you were, the straight pass was hardly ever on. Finn had to no. pump, double pump, triple pump before he even sent the ball out. So it's it's not it's not natural playing. And if Finn can't unlock it, you know, maybe France could have a shot at it, but the rest I I don't see any chance of beating that type of defense. Mm, it's interesting you mentioned Peter Stafford because when the last time uh, the Springboks played Scotland, he was all over Finn's. He all was over yeah. from the last game. So um you know no, very interesting. And, and it was also uh, Duan who dumped him and then was out for a year with that need. How about we mention another one? Fuff's replacement. We could have witnessed one of the, <laughs> greatest. the great World Cup trials. I remember Reinhardt scoring an absolute beauty. I think it was against Canada in the last World Cup. It could have been against somebody else. But Jeepers. <laughs> that try, if he had scored that try, it would have been better than Funder Mavis one against England. Jeez. And who tap tackled him? Fun. There we go again. And he caught Colby. As well, when Colby had that breakaway, although Colby also got it wrong because he had fluff next to him, he should have, should have passed it. But anyway, so Finn, Finn did, yeah, Grant Williams is exciting. exciting. <laughs> he could almost Gas. be in a Fijian team. Wheels, jeez. He, he's, he's like a, a Fijian South African. <laughs> Very exciting. I, I want to mention another one. Came on because of Evan having a shoulder injury. I hear it's a shoulder injury. I heard them ask. The coach, did you know what the damage is? He said no, it was still all being assessed and heard anything back. But um Ochias now he's a baller. We said this. But he he links the backs and the forwards very well. And what he does is he sucks in two players because the guys automatically think we need to get two players onto him and he extends his arm out and it's with perfect balance of like handing a, an infant to its mother, he passes no, he's, he's a freak. Uh, he's consistently, every time, you're right, he's drawing one, two, three players in around him. He's significantly taller than them, so his arms are always free. He goes into the tackle with the ball at heart, it's like a, and he's got his pick, like a Virginia, as you say, yeah. of, of who to pass to. Yeah, he's, got, he's got excellent hands, and he's a he's a fantastic athlete. I, I hope you can say fit through the, um, through the entirety of, of the tournament, because he adds another dimension. We are solid, and we can play a really tight game, but he's very good if the game opens up, No, he? you're absolutely right, and it's important you're not completely replacing like for like, which would work, you know, mm. place, by the way, but to offer even a subtle variation of dimension, especially with the bench, mm. it could be a game changer. So, if you think, and I push and beat this drum again, Peter Steph the toy got injured. Who would you put on that play? Well, he's not. So, um, I was oh, you've caught me off guard there. Because you can't move could you play Franco? Well, yeah. that's my automatic go-to. He had a wonderful game, by oh, the way. But you could play Ocher. 
but then he unbalances your game plan. But but we we are a little bit light in um, that. that we are, but I think the uh, natural conversation really would be um, who do you play instead of Evan? I'd bring John Clowney. So like for like, and have we heard anything about Evan's injury? We know no, it's a that, shoulder injury. That's, that's what I said uh, when they asked. We um, said he just didn't know. But you, you know what? We would have heard rumors out of the team by now if that was a problem. Okay. okay. I would well, have thought so. Before we move on a bit, uh, we know quite a few people who uh, flew out to Marseille. Yeah. Um, Luke is uh, of Boca Boys. He seems to be missing in action. Yeah, but, and, um, and, and I mean, I think we need to call him out on the last point, considering that um, we paid for his tickets and um, his flights, you know, all his entertainment while yeah. he was out there. And uh, yeah, we don't even get a um, you know his his insight. Maybe he's too injured. Maybe he was too excited and had. Uh, you know, we'll have to check if you got home. But anyway, thanks for that. <laughs> However, another friend of the port, the voice from the Cape himself, Anwar, now the voice from Marseille, um, managed to give us a call, sitting in some nice bistro somewhere in the old port. So, Anwar, over to you. <laughs> right. Now that we've uh, gotten over our first game and what a game it was, uh, to be completely honest, I've had some time to sit and think about it. Uh, I thought, firstly, Scotland were exceptionally good. They came with their game plan, they executed their game plan, but their game plan was not enough. On the flip side of that, South Africa's defence was outstanding. We shut them down at every given opportunity. Um, <clears throat> Our, of course, our game is built on defense. I thought their backline was very, very good. Their lineouts worked exceptionally well, way better than ours. But once we started getting scrum dominance, the game sort of changed. You could see um, the shoulders start to drop. Actually, uh, I mentioned that to Munira, that just watch after the third scrum penalty, they just they started to lose belief into what they were doing. Um, I was concerned about the two smaller wingers on the outside, but it turns out that that was exactly what we needed. Marnie's no-look crossfield kick was excellent, but he also did not kick for poles very, very well. And in a close game against better opposition, I think that will cost us dearly. So lots of positives and lots of things to work on moving forward for the rest of the tournament. But... I still think there's quite a lot of work to be done with regards to that centre pairing. Damien Dialendi for me was not very good. What was Vali LaRue doing when he came on? My goodness, almost cost us two tries. Alright, so there's a few more things I wanted to say, but I don't have the time. So here you go, guys. Thanks. Bye. Uh, thank you. The voice from the cat. So let me um, kind of come back to that scrubbing thing. So <laughs> I, I did. I did smile to myself arrogantly, thinking, <laughs> "When uh, so in the, in that last scrum where Trevor and them had come on and they went over the top of the first choice uh, Scottish, back, they then brought their bomb squad on, and <laughs> things got even worse for them, and it just became so obvious the gulf mm. between depth, yeah, exactly, and how good 
our four crops. In fact, the both front rows are incredible. Unbelievable. It'll be interesting to ha- see them have a go at each other. I would love to watch that. Because that would be a, a good battle. Different hearts. Um, yeah, yeah, but I could just... In 2019, at a stage when we pushed them over a couple of times, suddenly my nerves disappeared because I looked at them and I thought, they can't beat us mm. if we're doing that to them. And on Saturday, in the first five minutes, eight minutes of the second half, I had that same kind of calm, peaceful feeling that with that look on the props' faces, there's no coming back from it. You know, it's complete shell shock. It's hard to disagree, Andrew. Okay, so if you look at the players now, um, as we kind of wrap the game up, really, um, props, uh, you know, ten minutes to go, I was just pure relieved I could start enjoying myself. Poured <laughs> <laughs> myself was, an extra glass was, of wine. It was, I call it the devil's <laughs> kickoff on a Sunday because you can't really get involved with the liquor and stuff, eh, to the kind of the level that I wanted to be ready for it. So we probably lived it with, you know, we haven't had to deal with a game that hasn't been on a Saturday for, well, even though the one was a Friday night. So it makes a difference without, without alcohol. Um, I'm not prompting, you know, people to drink more, but that's a good idea if you're team more playing. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, if we, if we split this in two, so uh, those we perceived as uh, not not so great in terms of performances and those who uh, were good, and I'll, I'll just start this off. So not for great for me was Pia uh, Landi. We've really? spoken about him yes. before. Uh, Vili Duru, um, who is who is in form. We've seen he's played almost every game, hasn't he? Apart from the All Blacks game and this one. So, but we know he's prone to these um, crazy moments. Let's move on. Yeah, we'll move, move on. Um, not so great also is uh, Evan simply because of we're in the dark with this injury. Yeah. He's such a crucial player for us. And then my final one, who who is in who is in also my my good camp, is Marnie Lebock. Yeah, Marnie. Man of the match. I'm not so sure on no, that. I disagree. Given he missed uh, three kicks, if he'd got five out of five and that creative kick, wow, yeah, give him. So, a- so if, do you think if we, if he had got that creative kick, missed three out of five, and we lost, then we given him man of the match? Of course. Exactly. So, yeah, I, so, I agree with ex- exactly on all of those. We've spoken about Dylan, that's form. The decision is, do you carry on playing him? The coaches are very loyal, and they're very loyal to these players. Mm-hmm. You just look at the squad. Mm-hmm. So I think they potentially will, um, but I think they also want to get a look at Kane and Moody um, again, and he's partnered with, it's kind of fire and ice with him and um, Andre. Yeah, I like that combination. They contrast, but they actually complement each other. So use that one. And then, um, yeah, Villian, please let's not talk about that. I, I struggle to watch it. And, uh, and we know he's much better than that. It's not, yeah. it's not talking about that. My man of the match for me would have either been Marks or Sia. I, I thought Malcolm really fronted up, put his face in the ugly places, covered in blood, had a few crucial turnovers when they were looking to um, kind of hit a few phases. He got a good couple of turnovers, and Sia just defies the odds of playing rugby. In, in fact, I think he's starting to prove to me that some guys shouldn't play club rugby and should purely play international rugby. It's kind of like the cricketers do. Mm. They, they almost don't play provincial cricket anymore. Or they the, just play international. Or the old Welsh captain, um, recently retired, quite young. He barely played for court. Well, Sam Warburton, that was Sexton is the same. There we go. There we go. 
any place for loads of Okay, so you've mentioned one of the good then, Malcolm Marks. Well, two actually. You mentioned Sia Khaleesi. Um, in addition to that, I thought, uh, so I'll put Marnie in the good as well, simply because of that. So, wow, the, the crossfield kicker, absolutely amazing. Um, I've got Franco in there, and I thought he would be a contender for none of them. I thought he had a really good game. A solid, solid, a bit more than solid, noticeable. Yeah, you know? he, but he just doesn't play in a position that's flash enough to do that. But what, what I like about what he's doing is he's found his form again. And you remember, I was saying to you, I, I don't know what you're talking about when you say he's been inconsistent. For me, he's very consistent. I find him a very consistent player. Um, so I was re- I'm glad for him. His opportunities come through somebody else. You know, unfortunately, his health's not been um, good. And, and he's taken and he stood up and I'm, I'm fully behind him continuing in that position. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Andrew, we both called for Springboks one. Yeah. I, so we both got it right. Uh, we were a bit sheepish and uh, nervy. <laughs> I think I had still win by five. So I think you were a little more. Yeah, I was by 12, I think. Go. <laughs> okay. um, I, I said to my brother before the game, I, I think we take it by 20. And again, you know, we missed, there was 15 points left out there. It's a lot, isn't it? When you, when you put it like that, 15 points. Mm. It would have been double the score. You're looking at, you know, into the 30s. The, the opening game, you know, all excited. Rugby World Cup's here. Um, I skipped the opening ceremony, as you did, I think. Yes. Uh, and here we go. France v. New Zealand. Packed house. Paris. 80 or 1,000 people. Teams come out. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm seeing, um, I'm seeing Aaron Smith with some sort of... Uh, paddle or something, or wooden cricket bat. So I think the uh, the hacker's evolving yet again. It's, it's a Maori weapon. Okay. So why so they allowed? I was like, wow, you, now we're bringing weapons. <laughs> and come on, have you ever seen the? Uh, well, we've all seen it. Can you remember the um, the hacker back in the day, back in the nineties mm. or eighties? Gosh, it's uh, it's a very pale uh, imitation of what it is now. Yeah, exactly. But before we get into this game, let's hear. Um, or Albi from New Zealand, made of it. All Blacks v France. If you could expedite this part of your podcast, it would be truly appreciated. Funny game, eh? Funny game for Aaron Smith. He turned up to play a game of cricket with his new wooden edition. The All Blacks won the Battle of the National Anthems in the first five minutes of the game. Uh, And then they went into some sort of weird contortionistic opportunistic masquerade until half-time. And surprisingly, we still thought they were in with a shout. Gee, then they came on with that thousand-yard stare and any hint of optimism dissolved immediately. So in short, no game plan. They're still playing the same plan Steve Hansen used in 2019, and we all know how well that turned out. Poor leadership, poor discipline, tactical kicking. Well, I mean, it wasn't really tactical, was it? It was just kicking. Um, Poor in the air. Uh, to, To be honest, even worse on the ground. Come World Cup, you know, we were pretty optimistic. We thought they had something up their sleeve, but it turns out it's just a big white handkerchief and they're waving it very high and proud. I mean, the French didn't even need to get out of second gear. So uh, in summary, it was a beautiful day in Wellington. I went out for a couple of hours on my mountain bike ride and all was forgotten. So look, well done to South Africa for putting away the jocks. Well done, fellas. And uh, all the best with this episode. All right, bye-bye. Oh, bye-bye, and um, thank you, Albie. Um, he's certainly not sitting on the fence there. And um, 
be interesting to see uh, what his mates on the breakdown think of yeah, uh, the I mean, this season. I haven't seen any um, episodes come up yet, have you? Um, no, but um, given the last two, it's, it's probably going to be the polar opposite of the supporters <laughs> over there. Um, but we, 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 have to, we have to pause here now. And I'm not somebody that has a huge vocabulary. And, you know, I'd love to be able to word this properly. And I don't think I'm going to do it justice. But the appalling state and horrible renditions of the anthems are possibly the worst I've ever heard, besides that fella that did the reggae version of um, the South African anthem. It, it was horrible because I love the anthems. And I really, and it was horrendous. I mean, they, they had that children's choir who were singing at a different tempo to the going through the speaker system and then the crowd were so and then the players so there were four different renditions of the same anthem totally out of kilter you really do yeah well you think of when when people abuse your national anthem it's the one thing that you mm. all seem to get so you know, it doesn't matter color creed whatever in your country you all seem that together oh, and uh, people butchered it well on to the game itself then wow early try mm. <laughs> to layer a game Playing well as he did against um, us in Twickenham two weeks ago, and um, I thought, well, here we go. And to be honest, at half time, New Zealand were in semi control of that game. In my mind, the score the scoreboard was almost there. There was parity in the game. No, so, different hmm. view. Yeah, I definitely had a different view, and um, I, I was watching it by myself. And actually, myself and Albie were texting backwards and forwards. I I didn't see that they. Parity. I thought the French kicking game was, was much better. Mark Talia was doing well, like making good mm. ground. Um, seems to have a simple style of, you know, cutting in and but Cut people know he's cunning, but yeah, they can't stop him. Interesting little anecdote about him is, and you know, South Africans love to lay claim to an athlete. Um, yeah, we have some claim with him. Apparently, he is so he's born in Auckland to a. Um, South African woman and a Samoan father. So that's quite a set of ingredients to be a really good rugby player. So, yeah, just a bit of a backdrop on Maltelio. He scored a fantastic try for his first try. He enjoyed that. And, yeah, kind of set the tone. And I, 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 I thought <clears throat> they'd done really well to bring back some confidence. Mm. You know, it looked like they were going in the right direction. I think they started to lose it in kicking duel. France really held to their system, to their plan to kick long and keep the All Blacks um, sort of pinned back. I think the All Blacks had a different plan in that they wanted to take the aerial battle and contest with shorter kicks to the French. But I've kind of felt 20 minutes into that game after the arm wrestle, France started to take control. And the big differentiator for me is the Kiwi packed in Turner. Mm. Um, Barrett played well. Barrett's, Barrett's like excelled in the last season. I just thought he was kind of around the fringes type player, but he's really good. He, um, he's become very physical and he's almost become the de facto mongrel, hard man and best ball carrier in the, in the pack. Mm. There are a couple of people missing. Um, you know, Sam Whitelock, uh, he's trying to go for the Wolverine impression, but not the, the young Wolverine. He's looking to be the pensioner Wolverine. Um, because, yeah, he was old eight years ago when he was at the World Cup, so somehow he's carried it on for another eight years. 
And then Ritali came on, but you know, there's not much opportunity for him. They are clearly missing Frizzell. Yeah, very much so. And props, they don't have props. The hurt is the small. The, um, I thought, watching the first half, because I was expecting France to start like fire and um, move quickly ahead. But um, I thought at half time New Zealand are in this and um, we've got a game on our hands here, despite their deficiencies. But um, even though the score was close, towards the end of the uh, first half and the start of the second half, New Zealand were displaying similar traits as they did in Twickenham a couple of weeks mm. ago. Playing rugby in their own half and their own terms to offloading or being punished for it, almost chasing the game when there was no need to at that point. And uh, have you learned nothing from from that defeat? France are similar-ish to the Springboks. They've got the power. They've got people. They've got electric backs who can punish you. And um, and yeah, that that really really puzzled me. I mean, they butchered a couple of chances by New Zealand. They could have scored more. Good school, more, which isn't like those. They used to be so clinical. You give them one chance, they're in. But, but I think what, what we're doing here is we're paying the All Blacks the respect Maybe. previous teams deserve. Maybe. Maybe. And you, when you go on there, you kind of got to forget that they're wearing that black top and just take them for the team they are at the moment. Because these guys, and you know, when we were going into the Mount Smart game, I thought we could handle them. I. I did say I was worried about our players that were selected because they're coming out of the Japanese league. And we got shown up, there's no doubt. But I didn't player for player think they were as good as that result. So I think this has been coming for a while. And I think there's a bigger thing here. I think it's also around, you know, if you have a look at the French team, they've invested heavily. When I say heavily, I mean financially. Overseas as well. Into buying players to come into their league to learn from they're buying all the best players that are coming to those leagues to play in that French league. Now they're dominating world club rugby, and we're starting to see that on the international stage too. And countries like um, New Zealand, where you have to keep your IP at home and develop it, because these guys are selling themselves basically into these other markets to make a bit of money later on in their lives, which nobody begrudges them for doing it. You're starting to see that financial impact coming through. So people are closing, other countries are closing the gap on the orbit. Now, I know that's a bit of a hypothesis uh, on my side, but you saw what happened with football and rugby is certainly going that way. In such a small country, with the way the, the game now is so international, but the players are blended at club level, it's going to be very difficult for the All Blacks, I think, to con- to get back to where they were, or even close to it. It's very hard for us, though. It's one of their rivals to think of them in, in a negative light, almost, uh-huh. as a team that's conquerable. It, it's... So it's so tangible, get, but it's hard because of historic you, games you between me, the two. I'm not even blaming the players. I'm blaming the system. It's, it's, it's almost the system's overtaken how good the players could be because all the good players are going overseas, all our good players are going overseas. They're playing in this fringe model that is now starting to dominate mm. world rugby and reap the rewards of them pumping mm. money into it. Absolutely. And talking of France, I mean, congratulations. What a start. What a start to their own World Cup. They've won. United the country, the uh, viewing figures were, I've been told, that they were the same as the Soccer World Cup, though, in terms of the did viewing you, Did you see the whole French uh, team there? All taking some, Mbappé was there, um, sitting in the crowd, and, and they were fans, the whole, the whole French team. And so they, they're saying that um, the, French, the French rugby is closing in on becoming 
um, as much of a sport as football. Yeah, good. Amazing. You said it. You said um, the sport. You know, we we the window to the world, or, or it's you know, rugby is kind of on the world stage at the moment, and it's good to see these guys that are superstars um, watching them. I'd love to do a show on the French um, rugby scene and the model and how they've grown it because rugby was only popular in Southwest France. Realistically, it, nobody played it apart from a handful of people in the north and the west, etc. That's changed now. Good on them. Well done. Bravo to France. Um, Ramos thought he played very well, particularly in the first half. Do, do you know what I was, I was thinking about you when he was kicking? He, he, the confidence in the guy and the confidence he gives you, when he just lines the ball up. He, says, he gave me confidence. I'm not even a fraud. Exactly. <laughs> I, yes. I, yeah, I was like, maybe we can get some, you know, South African ancestry here somewhere. And, um, the the eight man had a storming it. Yeah, Gregory Aldridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good player. I, I, you know, I was hearing, oh, he's such a good player, such a good player. And I was watching him closely, and I couldn't see it. But he ignited mm. on um, mm. Friday night. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. I think Flamon in the second row is really good. A couple of their props, um, they schooled the New Zealand props. And then the interesting one for me was I thought Aaron Smith was really good. Oh, well, um, New Zealand, good luck next week because it, it's only getting harder for you. You're up against Namibia. Wow. And, um, yeah, gosh. Not in Namibia. Yeah. And uh, Albi, all the best. Um, keep maintaining that uh, mountain bike of yours. So if you move through a couple of the other games, quickly on Saturday, it was a, on paper, this is an exciting game, uh, Australia v Georgia. I know... I had Australia to win, as did yourself. Yep. Um, but I thought it'd be very close. And to be honest, although Australia made a fantastic start and their pack was probably outmuscling the Georgians, mm-hmm. to look twice. Georgia had their, they started to come back into it in the second half. They scored the try, were dominant in, uh, in the forwards and, and with the bats and were looking to secure another tie and, up comes the Australian fullback Donaldson, I believe. Intercept runs the length of the pitch, and that really scored the win for Australia. I was super impressed with the fullback. I believe it's his debut. And Eddie has Eddie did an, his usual thing of causing a massive stir by dropping their normal uh, was it Callaway, their normal fullback, and bringing in a complete novice <laughs> in terms of international rugby. And he rocks up and he scores two tries. So. <laughs> And one was a beauty. Whatever entertaining of Eddie. Wasn't it? So, I, I, didn't, um, I didn't watch this game. I had to sacrifice one game. Yeah, it. so it was, just, it was an anti-climax because I think a lot of people were hoping Georgia would beat Australia. I, mean, I, I don't, yeah, I wouldn't jump up and down if I was Australia at the moment. We'll, we'll wait and see. I, th- I think they have a couple of good players and I see some potential. They just don't seem to be able to get it together. Well, we'll, we'll know more um, in the next game. We're playing Fiji, who have to play. Um, that so could get, that could be interesting. No? Mm, Is that the yeah. <laughs> So uh, if we the same night on Saturday night, England twenty seven, Puma's town. Um, I listened back to the last show just for a snippet on this, and uh, I called a Argentina win, uh, probably about ten points from me. You also called an Argentina win, but said it would be close because England would actually turn up and play with something about them and a bit of yeah. grit and determination. Well, Andrew, we were both wrong-ish, but you were certainly right in terms of the grit and determination, and um, that's that's certainly what I saw all the way through the game. And, um, and well, I mean, 
did they play with proper speed as well, line speed and an energy and enthusiasm. Um, um, I know we've mentioned before that um, and they see, yeah, and, oh, very much so, apart from the red card, but we'll get into that. Um, yeah. We've already covered it, actually. Yeah. But the um, I, I know I've mentioned before that um, they only seem to play with a bit about them in um so after the red card, after the red card, they uh, they seem to galvanise themselves. Um, but can I, I would like to say they've scored twenty seven points all off the boots of one person. No tries at all. Yeah. Never looked like scoring a try. Yeah. Could still be playing now. Would never have even crossed the line. <laughs> and I really enjoyed that. Now, England fans are loving it. The English media is loving it. They're, wow, look, we're back on track and that. But gosh, you, you go back two, three years ago, the Lions tour, and the same people were saying, gosh, if we ever Walk up. play like the Springboks, they just kick, 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 kick. We, well, we forget we actually scored tries and something. Mm. And, you know, I'd rather lose than play like, well, come on, guys. It's all about winning, you see? Feels nice, doesn't it? Especially against the audience. It's, it's kind of like oh. their they build up in the last couple of games. It's, it's kind of like if, you, if you're a person and you're not being fed because you're not winning, and eventually you're starving and you get thrown crumbs and you celebrate it like it's, you know, champagne and cake. Well, no one. Who was expecting that? Well, no. I tell you who the big winner was the bookies. Because nobody, oh, nobody no, would have got no. that score. Yes, yes, and yes, yes, in yes. the means that it was done. So. You know, we say we we didn't get that, but I don't I don't think anybody in the world would have called called, called that. No, not at all. I, what I what I did like about it is it showed um, that there's a capability there that will put doubt in people's minds. So they're going to have to think about game plans that stifle that. It was good for England to get that win. Um, they had great defence. The Argentinians on the other hand just didn't pitch up. In fact, the next day before. So they played Saturday night. Sunday morning, I was kind of trolling through our stuff on Twitter and whatever, and they were, they, I don't know what country they were from, clearly Northern Hemisphere, and they were all challenging how bad the rugby championship actually is. They said it's got a merit. You see the teams all getting thrashed by the Northern Hemisphere, blah, 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 blah. And I was just kind of like, oh, no, here we go already. You know, one, one hand on the trophy supporters again. But... <laughs> England never looked like scoring a try. Oh. So, where to from here? You remember Yanni De Beer did it two games yep. in a row. 99. And then in the second game, we got beaten though by a drop kick from Mark. So, I mean, who, who, who do you know? Who do England play next? Who, who do they play um, next? They're playing Japan okay. this weekend. So, it gives them an opportunity against a not great Japanese form side at the moment to try and do a little bit more, and they have to do something more in attack. And the big question for me is, what is he going to do when Farrell mm. is not back? I'm Absolutely. What do you think? Well, he, he doesn't get in if it's down to you. Is but there a possibility see, that that would happen? Well, he's been named as the captain, hasn't he? I mean, maybe Courtney, I think, was it Courtney Laws who was captain at the weekend? Maybe they just stick with him, but... They made a big deal about naming Farrell captain before but, they flew this, out. This isn't a charity event. Like, I get really annoyed when people want to give taps away to people to celebrate things and give him the last five minutes to get his hand. No, this is international rugby. This is the World Cup. If he's, if he's not the way forward, I'm not going to, I don't think you should be putting the team if the team are operating better without him. I was reading, I was reading the rugby paper in the Times over here, mm. uh, yesterday, and 
listened to a couple of podcasts, uh, UK podcasts, and they were saying that if Fowler Dean that team on Saturday, that um, George Ford would not have been dropping kicks and he wouldn't have felt he had the freedom to do it because he'd been Farrell would have pulled rank. And that was that was four different so media I, outlets see, saying dis- the same. I disagree thing. with that. I I believe and I wish someone had asked them this in the post match uh, press conference. If you would go down to fourteen men, was that a tactic you were going to employ? I think it didn't take them a minute to go down the field to start doing dropkicks. I think that actually that was um, something that was predetermined. And they executed it very well. It's my opinion. Absolutely brilliant. And what it does show as well, um, and England have demonstrated this before, um, that um, you can go a long way in rugby at any level if you play with discipline. It's an emotional game. A lot of emotion that's honest. Discipline, you have a very simple, simple game. You know, and you work hard for one another. It's not, it's not going to win you the World Cup. You could serve. Argentina were the rings. They, they embarrass themselves, if, if I can. That's how strongly I feel mm. about how they let themselves down. They didn't even fire a shot. The class that they have in that team, Santi Carreras, mm. I watch him playing over here. I would probably say he's the best 10 in the world. Um, and, and they play him all over the place in the back line. Yeah, I think he plays for um, Sale in Newcastle. Newcastle. And Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a brilliant player. I mean, you just look at their black feet, Labanini, all of those. I mean, Montoya. These are top professionals playing at the top of the game, week in and week out, and they never fired a shot. It was almost like they'd been deflated. Or the, we know that the, the moment wasn't too much for them because a lot of those players, remember in 2007, well, no, they probably were in 2007, but as a country, they beat France in 2007. Mm, in twice. They beat them twice. They beat them in that opening game, remember, mm. in France as well, against those nations. So, it's it's a it's a yeah I don't think they were overwhelmed but there's something they need to pick up and hopefully it was just um, they they misfired because mm. they're better than that yeah yeah absolutely well let's see what our, uh, our friend Big Ben Ooh. our England our England Grump, correspondent Grumpy Big Ben thought of the game I was going to start with oh well but I think I'll lead with well. The best way I can sum that game up is by comparing it to your first prostate exam, really. Bear with me on this. Beforehand, you're scared. You're sitting there alone in the waiting room with nothing but bad thoughts going through your head. Then you're called in. You're asked to drop your trousers, get up on the bed. Then reality hits and you think your worst fears have come true. Then the professional doctor takes control and slots it between the posts. You're a bit shocked, but you realise it may not be that bad after all. He carries on doing it throughout the whole appointment while keeping everything else running nice and smooth. And you realise it's not that bad at all. And you quite like it. And you wouldn't mind happening, you know, wouldn't mind it happening again. But, you know, that's my feelings on the game. <laughs> with um, that dealt with, a try would have been nice, but, you know, when you think about it, who really needs bonus points? Um, but all joking aside, I think uh, the people doing the red card reviews might want to put some boots on, drive up the A3 to a cabbage patch in the middle of winter and actually play a full game of contact rugby because at the minute they seem to make making decisions like they've only ever had a little run out on Clapham Common during a warm summer's evening playing tag and, you know, 
accidental collisions will not be tolerated, apparently. Well, good grief. We've got some resident comedians as well. <laughs> Thank you, big band. Yeah. Okay, Wales, Fiji. <sighs> Tied up the weekend nicely. Um, gosh, uh, Fiji, Fiji, Fiji. Congratulations to Wales on the job done. On paper, they picked a strong team. He's looking at the backs thinking, hey, you've turned up to the Rugby World Cup here. But Fiji, surely they'll be kicking themselves. That was for the taking. I know before the game, the fly half got injuries out the, out the World Cup. And from what I saw in the second half, the referee also wasn't exactly an ally of rugby, it. let alone well, Fiji. He injured, he injured his arm that was on the side of the Fijians. But Fijians had it in their own control to have won that game. The, just, I thought, it's I thought. just back to that age-old thing we say about Fiji. Of Discipline. Course, discipline and structure when it's needed. And I, I don't want to take away from the way they play rugby. Wonderful. It... Every time they get the ball, I think to myself, these guys can score. Mm. Hey? Every time mm. they get the ball, the genetics in those players are so superior to any th- other country that's from. Mm. Okay, so you, you've got all of that. Now, you've got skills. You've got guys that have been playing professionally in, in Super Rugby. I think the coach should be uncourted and put on a pole in the middle of the Fijian Islands. He's got two of the best players in the world and puts him on the bench. He brings him on after 60 minutes. He should have, if if there was a reason for it, he should have brought them in after 40. He, Bottier was the game swinger as a player for La Rochelle in a couple of games. He was so good. Again, another one of those hybrid players that can play flank or centre and can compete to be the best in the world either. I can't even pronounce it. Vyavanalu on the wing. Well done. Um, the guy with the biggest legs in rugby. They bring him on after 60 minutes. Every time he got the ball, it looked like he was going to score a try. It, we're not super mastermind brain like coaches here, but why do we see something that is so obvious and it doesn't get implemented in these games? Did the coach think these guys are too reckless and I don't want to let set them free when they're partially injured? I, I I don't understand what the game plan is. If I think about Wales now, Wales, I'm hearing, are becoming the most disliked team at the Rugby World Cup. So they did everything in their power not to lose that game, didn't they? They started doing all the tricks in the in the book. I thought they played well in terms of their defence. They were dogged. It's they had a good side, and I think they've got some extreme quality in it. Um, Liam, what's his name? The fullback, Williams. Liam Williams, as bowlegged as John Wayne. Classy player. Oh, brilliant. Um, the winger, Josh Finisher. Adams. He can finish. Uh, are you you thinking of the other side? Josh Adams Josh played Adams. on the on the one. See that tackle he put in head on. That was a game changer, game changing tackle. Then you're right. Um, who's the other one? The good looking, dark haired guy, plays for Gloucester. Yeah, um, teenager. Yeah, excellent player, real gas. Potentially the fastest guy in uh, rugby player in the world, I hear. I'd like to see him flat out against Grant Williams. Scrum off. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah give, him, give him a bet. Fiji threw it away, and it was almost wrapped up the entire game in the last pass. Mm. Absolutely. Where the opportunity was Absolutely. there, and we got knocked on and we lost. Basics. Fiji, I, I wouldn't like to play them. And if I'm Australia, and now the pressure's on Fiji. What a game. Yes. What a game. Fiji are going to come for them. And Fiji could lose by 20 or win by 30. <laughs> and now to friend of the show, Sean The Nose now. And we asked Sean earlier 
Sean, outside of all the excitement of the rugby, what were your three main concerns over the weekend? Hello, buddy. Three things I've noticed. Number one, the national anthems have been diabolical, although it seemed to suit the Scotland and the South African one better. Number two, these um, away jerseys when the teams, if they just played in their home kit, would be perfectly fine. Um, it's absolutely ridiculous, I, I think. Not just the South African jersey, but all the other teams are, you know, playing in all these different jerseys. Ridiculous. Um, and thirdly, inconsistency with the head contact. Uh, one resulted in a red curry. One resulted in a yellow, the Japanese match. And one didn't even get looked at, the South African match. Uh, inconsistency with head, head to head. So those are the th three things I picked up. Sean the nose now, just uh, with his uh, three takeaways of his observations of the World Cup opening weekend. <laughs> um, so quickly, the upcoming games for the week ahead. Uh, we've got Thursday, Thursday night kickoff, France v Uruguay. So I'll, I'll stick my neck out and say France <laughs> by 50. Yeah, you, you're a brave man. You're a brave man. Um, yeah, at minimum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then on Friday, we have New Zealand v Namibia. So it could be uh, possibly 80. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, um, Samoa v Chile. Well, they're, they're such mismatches, yeah, I think. Probably 30 points, Samoa. Yeah. yeah. Um, an interesting one here Ireland v Tonga on the Saturday. So I, I think what's interesting yeah. about this one is who will be selected to play that game. And the Tonga, with their mentality, if they get a shot to have a go at some of their players, some of the Irish, I think they'd enjoy it. It'd be interesting to see if they play Sexton. He looked like he limped off towards the end after being tackled yeah. <laughs> behind the posts. I mean, it's uh, Ireland will be winning, obviously, yeah, comfortably. Yeah. However, we obviously want to see a nice physical game. I'd like to see them be put under proper pressure and maybe get some um, get some big hits on them. I'd like to see where they go when they're under a lot of pressure, that kind of pressure, mm. physical. physical. And, and pressure, to, yeah. um, Tonga have got some good players that have come back in. So, um, you know, it's not like they couldn't cause an upset, but I don't think they will. As we go into Sunday, it's Springboks v Romania. I'm going to be nervous all week. Oh, uh, one of his v Fiji. Okay, that's the pick, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm going with one of his. I'm going to go with Fiji. I'm going to go with my heart. Come on, Fiji. Well, I hope you're right. I really do. And uh, to conclude the weekend's game is England versus Japan. So, yeah, I, I hope uh, England can do can can crack on now after getting that win. They, they just. It'd be interesting to see the, the strategy that they play, the type of rugby. Do they try and run and score a few tries? Do they try this kicking game? I, I don't think they're going to go with that strategy, I wouldn't think. And hopefully someone gets sent off early so that they perform better. Mm. I mean, on New Zealand, not play. Yeah, New Zealand, Namibia on the Friday. Do you think yeah. they'll come with um, that wooden bat? <laughs> do you think that's going to be part of the firewood? <laughs> Uh, I'm looking forward to Albi's uh, contribution to that game for sure. Um, it's um, with not be, not meaning to be disrespectful to the teams. It, it is quite a drop off after the after yeah. this weekend's fixtures, but um, I'll still be watching most of these uh, on and off. 
Well, that's it for now, Angie. Um, that was good. Thank you. Yep. So uh, we'll see you all uh, this time next week. And please follow us on uh, Twitter, or it's now called X. Isn't it? Yeah, uh, X. Angie likes podcast. Ruffling a few feathers, and uh, I've I've heard one of. Uh, uh, tweets has gone viral. Yeah, yeah, we we, we clocked up to like twenty seven thousand, um, and, and what that was was um, somebody had uh, um, it was a World Cup um, football song, and they did it to like the Springbok in this guy's garden, where it's actually stretching and doing a bit of a warm up, then bounces around and then shoots off. It was really really funny. So yeah, we got a lot of airtime out of that. And obviously, um, my natural humour comes through in those posts. Of course, <laughs> as it does on here. <laughs> and uh, by all means, please email the show at aerugbypodcast at gmail.com. Drop us a line and uh, ask any questions or any feedback. Cheerio. Good night. Bye-bye.